Jackie, whenever you're ready, we can begin. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, we have quorum then? Yes, we do. Okay, well, let's get started then. Uh, let's call to order and Roger, I'll let you read all your housekeeping. No, and I didn't bring it with me, but uh, I can maybe remember some of it. Uh, <laughs> welcome everyone. I'm Roger Steinbrock, Communication Events for Parks and Recreation. Uh, tonight's meeting is being broadcast on cable uh, on uh, YouTube, the city's YouTube channel. Uh, we do ask participants that aren't involved in the meeting to uh, not have their image shown until they want to present at the time for public comment or during the uh, topic of conversation in which you've been called on by the chair, Jackie Becker. Um, for those of you in the meeting, please keep your cameras on, uh, the board members, so we can have conversation to the items on the agenda. And uh, if, if we do mute at times if needed, if it, if it distracts from the conversation. So we just ask you to stay muted unless you're being spoken you're asked to speak uh, to the committee. So I'll turn it back over to Jackie. Thanks, Roger. All right, so our first thing we need to do is approve the minutes from last month's meeting. If everyone can take a look at those, or if you already read them and have any comments, I'll be looking for a motion to approve if there are no edits. Edits. This is John Nalbandian, board member. I move to approve the minutes. Pat Phillips, board member, I second that. All right, so we have a move by John, Vice Chair John, and a second by Pat Phillips. All those in favor of approving last month's minutes, say aye or raise your hand. Any nays? Raise your hand or speak now. All right, unanimously passes. Thank you. All right, our next thing up will be public comment. Uh, JT, I see you're online. Is there anyone at the conference room here for public comment? Sydney wasn't going to speak on anything. No, he wasn't. I didn't have anything on the agenda. Topics, so. but do you have anything you want to speak on? Oh, well, there's a public comment. Anything you thought about? That's not on the agenda. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's it's right on the agenda. I thought it was only public comment on agenda items. Oh, no, no. Uh, Steve Bernson. Um, I'm a member, a board member of Pickleball Lawrence. First, I'd like to uh, thank LPRD for expanding the uh, evening and weekend hours. Uh, it's been uh, very well received, and uh, I'm actually wearing my pickleball gear uh, to the meeting because as soon as the meeting's over, I'm going to go over and, and play some of these sports. So um, first, I just wanted to mention that. Uh, second, um, you know, we're, we're entering into the winter season, and I know uh, we're looking forward to working with Mark Hecker on the CIP process. Uh, Mark, yes, hi. Nice to uh, meet you. Yeah. Uh, but just something I wanted to... Um, kind of have uh, people start thinking about is, you know, you've proven that Lawrence can be a destination city for sports. Um, you know, SPL has shown volleyball, basketball, uh, people are willing to travel here for tournaments. And, um, you know, I think with the right uh, outdoor 
physical facility for pickleball that um, you can see that same type of uh, travel and, and uh, you know, economic revenue generation from the city here uh, as well. Uh, there's a lot of pickleball players that travel uh, to Kansas City on a regular basis to play at their public facilities. Um, uh, there's a, a Boydar Park in Lenexa and uh, up in Riverside, Riverfront, EHM Park. Uh, they have outdoor facilities that are individually fenced with uh, LED lighting and Emporia just recently this spring opened their six core facility. Uh, and that facility was funded in part by um, some signature donors, uh, some additional members of the general pickleball community and the city uh, in a partnership. So I know that, you know, there are process you have to go through uh, with the CIP, um, just something to think about, uh, you know, the economic benefits of having more to be a destination city for pickleball. Uh, and that's in addition to the benefits, uh, the physical and, and emotional well-being benefits that, that would be accrued to the city. So um, that's the comments. I have. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Nice Thanks, to meet you. Steve, Steve you can you sign in sure. contact information? Thanks for all that info, Steve. Uh, any other public comment from the conference room? Can I follow up with a question for Steve? Um, what kind of facilities would be required to host out tournaments for players from out of town? Well, Lions, is there a number of courts? Sure. That sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lions Park um, has hosted some tournaments that have brought some outside players. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of just regular players that would travel here on a daily basis to play. Uh, and that would be really an upgrade in facilities. Um, the individual fencing, well, first of all, dedicated pickleball courts to begin with. Um, pickleball courts that have, uh, you know, an official um, permanent pickleball netting. And uh, the individual fencing is important for players. Uh, and that's where you see the facilities in Poria and the other two I mentioned in the Kansas City Metro really drawing players to play there specifically for those reasons. Um, there's a few other public facilities in the Casey Metro area that are very similar to Lions Park, where Lions Park has four courts on one side, four courts on another. They're not individually fenced. And those are definitely playable and you can play tournaments on them, but players prefer, and it's a, it's a more of a selling point, more of a draw to have the individual fencing. And uh, you can do it with eight, 12 is better. Uh, Kearney, Missouri, they just broke ground on a 12-court complex uh, with space for an additional four courts, so up to 16, and that's going to be opened in the spring. Uh, and so, you know, obviously, the, the more courts you have, the larger the tournaments you could host. Um, but, uh, you know, I would definitely say, you know, eight would be a start, 12 would be better. Um, you know, you, you'd want to kind of make sure you size it right with the capacity. But, you know, as I was mentioning, mentioning uh, pickleball players will travel to play at better facilities. And Lawrence is really primed to be able to draw players from the, the greater Topeka area all over Douglas County and then even from the east. We could draw from the KC Metro and with the battery plant going into Soto. Um, you know, I just see the time is really prime to build a, a destination facility here in Lawrence that could capture the whole regional pickleball play. Um, because if it's not here, it'll be 
in Kansas City or in Kearney or you know some other city is going to capture that that demand. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Marilyn, for a really good question. Uh, any other questions from the board right now for Steve related to pickleball? All right. Uh, seeing none. Any more public comment? All right. Hearing none, we can move on to D agenda items. And our first item on the agenda is the winter emergency shelter. Yes, thank you, Jackie. Uh, we are joined by one of the team members uh, from the Planning Development Services, Housing Initiatives, Housing Initiatives Division of yep. Planning and Development Services yep. and the homeless team, right? Yep. So yep. Um, yeah. I'll let her introduce herself and kind of give the background on the winter emergency shelter that you guys that folks have had questions on last meeting. Hello, everyone. I am Cicely Thornton. I am with Housing Initiatives. And it's been a busy, it's been a very busy last few weeks, but um, so I just wanted to come and give you guys a little bit of an update. Um, we are going to open the community building on December 1st, um, and it will run through March 12th. It'll be a continual, so we'll be open daily. There won't be a temperature discussion this year. Um, reason in doing that was basically so that we didn't have volunteers um, backing out on us at the last minute, just easier for scheduling, basically. Um, we'll have a 75 capacity. Um, we're going to ask, I know last year there was a lot of food issues. Um, so we're going to ask for all prepackaged, um, individually wrapped food items, kind of brown bag, um, non-perishable, um, food. So uh, depending on we're going to try to get that from organizations. We'll probably do a sign-up genius for just food. Um, we were hoping that maybe volunteers would do that as well. Um, hours of operation will be, we'll open up at 8 p.m. and it'll be probably done at 7. I believe there's classes and stuff that go on in the community building, so we'll be out of there by then. Um, Mitch Young and I are leaving it. Um, so we're going to do three different shifts. We'll do like a seven to an 11 and then 11 to five and then a five to eight, just to make sure that everything gets done in the morning. Um, we would really like to have three, like a three staff for our intake shift, two for overnight and three for in the morning. Um, Bert Nash has been generous enough to send in two case managers also for intake staff or the intake shift so hopefully we will have plenty of people where they can do what they do and um get people into the system and find out what they need and get all that done so it's kind of our goal there um i know the question has been are we going to open early as of right now no not unless city commission directs us to do that um and then we still need volunteers, community volunteers, if possible. Um, like I say, the, the intake shift has filled up fairly quickly. I think, I don't know, last time I looked, I think we filled most, most of the rest of the year, that intake shift. And then it started to kind of fill in with the, the outgoing shift. So that early morning shift. Um, overnights is needed. 
still pretty badly. And uh, we did have one organization. I think we sent out 140 letters. So we've had one organization step up and say that they would do Monday nights throughout the entirety of the of the shelter being open. So um, what did I forget? I think that's I think that's a pretty decent update. Donations. Donations. Um, so donations are being taken at PBS. Obviously, that's only till 5 p.m. Um, but I I've been telling them for a week I was gonna get them a box. So <laughs> we're still, I'm still working on that. Um so yes, PDF downtown, uh, one riverfront, suite three twenty, I believe. Yeah, donations of food or um, additional things. We can do we can do food. That's fine. Um, hand warmers, gloves, hats, uh, socks, underwear, hygiene products, foot powder, all those all those things. I have a list. An email if you guys would like me to send that out. Yeah. So, so do they have I know the last year I had a web page that we developed. Mm -hmm. Are they utilizing that this year? I believe yes. Okay. Porter Porter's gotten that okay. together for us. And yes. then the other piece that that list should be on the web page too. I'm hoping that would be able to direct people to that. So. I don't know if it is or not, but I will get that done. Yeah. That way that way we can add in um what what I'll do is I'll check the website and see if it's still up the way that we have it. They may have moved it to another location. So and I know on the webpage the sign up genius is also on there for volunteers. Yeah. If you have any questions. So that's good. Uh, this is John Nabandian board member. I have a question. Um, is there has thought been given to making a connection with the health department? to see if they could every so often have somebody there who even, for example, a vaccination clinic or or just maybe primary health. Mm -hmm. um, um, we have spoke with the health department. We haven't had anybody come out from, from the Douglas County Health Department. We did have um, my partner, Jen, has a good relationship with the uh, folks that run Care Beyond the Boulevard. So they have started coming out on Thursdays and are doing vaccinations at our support site currently. And last last week was the first week and we had a really good turnout. So they did a ton of vaccinations. If you need some help with the health department, let me know I'm on that board. Perfect. I think we got an email like a day after the Care Beyond Boulevard came out about them being interested in helping with that as well. This is Amber Nickel, board member, and I'm just curious. So what happens if there's no volunteers? Um, well, um, we're in hopes we've got one in a hiring process right now. And then we're hoping to hire two more part-time staff, seasonal part-time. Um, it looks as though we're gonna need them overnight, mostly. Um, we've been kind of throwing around a schedule on how we're going to work that. Uh, but um, so that's kind of the plan right now. Volunteers have been there. It's pretty, it's pretty full for at least at least the intake shifts. And like I say, I think the, the morning shifts have really started to fill in as well. 
So right now I think we're okay. Hopefully it continues. John Nalbandian again. Um, I don't know what a volunteer, you know, what qualifications they need, but uh, maybe talking to fraternities and sororities or some sort of public service kind of thing. I'm assuming that they have sort of requirements to do that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, um, we received information from KU that they wanted to put that out to all the, the they have a volu KU volunteers website. So that is in the works as soon as I can get to my email. I think that came out today, actually. So today's been very busy. My Jen is, is off and with her kid this week. So only well, in the last week and this week. So I don't, I'm not really sure how it got dark. <laughs> so it's been a busy day, but um, yes, I will get that to them and we will definitely hopefully be able to utilize those guys as well. That various public health. I mean, in terms of KU, right. got that, like the actual division. I sent students. Um, I did send letters to Washburn, um, social work, KU social work, maybe Johnson County. I mean, well. think public health because they, mm -hmm. they have a lot of students in that division that are looking for the website is lawrenceks.org slash winter dash emergency dash shelter. So Pretty easily found. And the list isn't on there. So oh, of donations. I'll get with Florida and get that on there. Um, this is Pat Phillips, board member. Uh, Cicely, do guests need to bring their own bedding, like bedroll? No. No. Um, we have already purchased pillows, mats, and a blanket for everyone in pillowcases, I think was the other one that was included in that. And then it'll be washed. That'll be one of the volunteer um, duties at night to uh, laundry and wash bedding. Okay. Thanks. So, yeah. Uh, Jackie Becker, uh, are pets allowed for this time so frame? Pets, um, we talked to the Humane Society and I believe that they would partner with us if we if that if it comes to that but as of right now i believe we're going to get a few um insulated dog kennels and then there is a room that isn't connected it's help me out here not from the rest of the building but you enter it from the outside of the building so it will be sheltered indoors with those kennels but it's a storage only accessible from the outside of the building yes so we're hoping to kennel there if, they, if need be that was a very new thing too. Jackie Backer again. So if you said you said it holds 75, Sicily, when we get full, is there a spillover option this year or that's just the, the hard number for this year? Um, as of right now, that's our hard number. Um, if overflow happens, we will meet that at that point. We'll start talking about how we can can deal with that. So right now that's what we're at. Any additional questions from the board regarding the winter emergency shelter with Cicely? 
I would just like to, Marilyn Hull, board member, I would just like to thank Cicely and the other members of the team. You know, you're dealing with probably the most difficult issue in our community right now. We appreciate all of the, all of your effort. Thank you. It means a lot, thank you. Jackie Becker, Chair, I, I second that and couldn't, couldn't agree more. Uh, you've thought about feeding. Mm -hmm thought about their animals and uh, it's an important way to make sure everyone in our community can stay warm and safe every single night as it gets colder here. Uh, much appreciated. So thanks Thank for you. the Thank you, everyone. It was great to meet everyone. Thank you. If you have any questions, please feel free to call me. Um, and we might give out the email again. Mm -hmm. People know how to get hold of the team. Homelessprograms.org. And then if oh, you guys yeah, are at Lawrence, Oh, yes, at Lawrence, yeah. Yes. So it's homeless. Absolutely. What is it? Homeless, homeless program. programs at lawrenceks.org. And loading of the, uh, the phone number is at the eight eight. Oh, yes, for the mental health Can you explain how that works? That was a question from a couple of meetings ago. Well, I would love to, um, but I'm not 100% sure. So it's similar to a 911 call, except it will send out a mobile response team um, for suicidal subjects. Or the mental and mental concerns, health. mental health concerns. I think they, I think they're primarily for Suicide. suicidal and right. homicidal stuff. Was my take yeah. on it when they, when it was kind of explained to me. But um, I think that they can work around the mental health issues as well, and I think they're probably the best option um, when that stuff is happening because we don't have a lot of um, on-demand services for that. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you guys need anything else? Let me know. Thank you for inviting me. It was great to meet everyone. And like I say, I'm going to go grab my kid. Have a great night. <laughs> thank thank you. you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. You guys have a good meeting. As we continue with our good meeting, uh, we'll move on to number two, which is the LDC Health, Community Health uh, report card presentation. And this was something that was set up by Gail with Parks and Rec, uh, along with the IDEA committee, uh, looking at uh, basically working with the health department and getting an update on our community. Is Gail here or no, I can't. Visually. No, she's not. Okay, here. I wasn't no. sure. I saw some people there, so I wasn't sure if I should move but it over. To the world. Jackie, and I'll just I'll just interject then. Right. Um, at the last meeting, I was going to get with everybody and do the doodle poll, but when I got around to it, I guess the committee had met and just selected a date further past the holiday season into February, and she was arranging it with the health department. So that was the date that got firmed up was Tuesday, February 28th at 1 p.m. 
So hoping that I guess the committee thought that with ample time, people could put it on their calendars so that they could earmark it so that if, you know, they can maybe save that time and date for that meeting. And then I guess what we'll do is maybe look at it again in January, just have it on the agenda. I'll have it down on the dates coming, you know, on the bottom of the, the agenda every every period. So we'll know that it's coming up. And then we that during January's meeting, we can readdress it for February. And actually we can probably address it in the February meeting, make sure everybody's gonna be there since it'll be, you know, prior a lot of the meeting prior to that. So uh, this is John Nalbandian, board member. Um, I'm assuming that um, that the presentation is going to break 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 down community health by geographic regions, as well as you know income. Income is very unreliable in Lawrence because it's a college town, and census data is not good when it comes to income, but. Um, what I'm wondering is, um, is there a way to include uh, some members or invite some members of the of the um, of the the planning board? Because I think what my you know my ulterior motive thinking here is that we're going to be able to show a relationship between community health and accessibility to green space. And I think that's a kind of common knowledge, but I think we're gonna actually be able, hopefully be able to see it in the report. And I think it'd be really cool if we could get some members of the planning board, the city's county planning board there, because they're the one who make decisions about zoning and codes and so on and so forth. Just an idea. Thank this you. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. Um, that time uh, isn't going to work for many of us that have daytime commitments. Is this something that we were all supposed to attend? I'm sorry, I missed the last meeting, so I, I'm lacking some context here. Uh, so, Marilyn, how I saw this, and obviously, Andrew at please join in is uh basically when the idea committee met with gail we came up with a number of bullet points of things that we wanted to see start getting worked on and happen and i believe one of the things was to try to have a, a meeting time with the health department like they did a number of years ago uh in looking at the times there it's tied into i believe another meeting for parks and rec staff to be a part of this too because they can't come during our time to give us a meeting independently and so i believe that was why uh i feel like there might be other options that it will be running so perhaps we can look into that for when there's going to be another meeting of this type with the community in the city and hopefully could have you potentially attend that one uh, or get or have sort of a debrief in one of our advisory board meetings. Well, Jackie, Roger Steinberg, liaison. Uh, one of the things I did speak to on this was I was going to see if we could do it by Zoom as well to make it easier accessible. The thing about it is it's at the CB, I believe, 
and I don't know about connections and how reliable they are. So I'll need to double check on that. We have a little bit of time. Otherwise, we may need to move the meeting to another location, potentially. Um, the other piece is we will tape it. Um, so we will have it on, on Zoom uh, if, we, if we do that. So we'll have, have the availability to that as well. Um, so one way or another, we will get the, the presentation to, to all the folks so that you can uh, watch it at your leisure if you can't attend at that time. That is excellent. <laughs> Perfect. Will that work for you, Marilyn? Uh, a tape version will work for me. And, and Marilyn, I, it's that it's that similar presentation. You may have been a part part of it. Yes, I've heard it before. Yeah. So I know there are various people on the advisory board who work full time, and um, right. and if something's on Zoom, they may not be able to. Exactly. I totally understand. That's why I want to make sure we're going to make the event. And it, it, since it, if it is a meeting, we won't put it on the YouTube channel, so we'll have it there. Uh, one question I have, uh, Jackie, for John, were you meaning staff or the planning commission itself or both? Um, I would say, I would say both. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to be everyone, but a few. I sure. also think, I also think that we ought to be clear on what we want to get out of the report so that instead of the health department deciding you know what they what they're going to present no i mean that's fine but i mean do we what do we want to know in terms of the parks and rec what do we want to know about the status of community community health I mean, I think we need to think about that a little bit. Maybe submit some questions um, online and um, and then see if we can come up with a few questions that we can send to the health department. Say when you're doing your report, we'd really appreciate it if you would make sure to help us understand, you know, the relationship between community health and green space or whatever we want to know. This is Pat Phillips, board member. I think that's a good idea, John. I mean, I, th I think it's far enough away that uh, if board members have some questions that we can then forward it to um, Dan um, in the health department. Yeah. Jackie, uh, Roger Steinbrock liaison. I will um, then have people send them to me and I'll collect all those. Um, as we get closer, I'll probably I'll send out a reminder. Just have questions come. Let's say by, you know, sometime in January, just so the folks will have time to prepare. If there are things that they can add to their presentation, um, so I'm just going to arbitrarily pick January 15th as a date uh, that gives them a month plus to answer some of those questions. If that works for everybody, and to John's point of the planning commission, I will send out. Uh, an email to the planning, PDS Planning Development Services to invite them, as well as the, their planning commissioners, uh, to the presentation as well. Yeah, I mean, John, now, Benny, I mean, this potentially, depending upon the, you know, the information and how we feel about the information that we get and so on and so forth, I mean, who knows, this could end up 
being a topic for a community conversation. So I see some real potential here. Jackie Becker, uh, yes, John. When we were having, when we were given the report a number of years ago, it was very eye-opening. So I think encouraging questions, I think asking more people to be at the table, will just make this a better meeting for all. So thank you for that. Any other thoughts or comments in regards to the community health? All right. I don't see any, so we're going to move on to the big topic, agenda item three, the fee budget discussion with potential special meeting for engagement with the public. Good evening, I'm Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, I open this up as a, a topic on the best way to proceed and how we collaborate as a uh, department and board on this topic. Um, looking at some other communities that have gone through the fee increases and how they've uh, addressed it with communications and uh, input from the community. They've done a, a Parks and Rec Advisory Board a special meeting to have that discussion and inform. Um, some of the thoughts that we've been having as staff is how do we inform in a transparent way, an equal way, explaining where we are and why we need to do fee increases. <clears throat> so that's part of the presentation. The other is an opportunity for input on, there's only so many, many ways that we can get to the projected number. We can increase fees, we can lower service levels, some cuts, we can do a blending of, we can go one or the other, there's sponsorships, and then, um, we had put at the bottom row, and correct me if I'm wrong, that memberships would be the one of the last avenues we'd go after. Knowing that in 2023, we will be into a comprehensive plan, master plan of Parks and Rec, that if that's something we wanted to fully explore, we would need a lot of time to do it right. And that would be another time to engage on the fees and uh, potential membership if that's an avenue that the public wanted to go down. So that the thought process that we had would be potentially a sub-task force from the advisory board working with staff to do a presentation at a special parts rec advisory board on the why we are where we are, and then the proposals, and then look at a couple of budgets, for examples, to show our cost recovery pyramid, explain that, and where we are with expenses, where we are with projected revenues, and how do we get this balance. So with that, I'll open up for thoughts and comments and discussion. Uh, this is John Nelbandian again. I'm sorry to be so vocal here tonight, but uh, these are important topics for me. Um, Derek, the only, um, the only concern I have is that when you do ask us for a judgment, opinions, whatever, um, that you minimize the number of questions that can be answered yes or no, and you give us 
the challenge of establishing priorities or um, this or that, you know, that kind of thing, rather than do you agree that we ought to blank? It's sort of like, um, are you in favor of um, increased fees or reduced hours at the rec centers? I mean, those are tough. That's a tough way to do it. But that's what you guys are actually having to deal with. So, you know, put those kinds of questions to us. So one of my thoughts was, would the advisory board like to be on a collaborating as we build the PowerPoint presentation on the why in the background, which would also increase knowledge of where we are. And I okay. think that helps the debate that if we have members from the advisory board that have seen how we made the stew and where we are to explain to the public when you get phone calls, why are fees or why do we need to do this or why do we need to cut service levels? The other part at this point in the ballgame, there's not a lot of choices left for 2023. Realistically, I think there's fees or there's cuts. Sponsorships are something that can play in there. Um, but how do we balance the budget? And some of it too is I really want to get some public engagement. I'd rather collaborate with the public on maybe the fees don't go up so high, but we're going to take some cuts somewhere else. And there's a blended approach. Then administer just, you know, we can solve this with fees provided usage rate stays the same. But I think there needs to be a blend and there needs to be um, opportunity for the community to provide some input. I think we have to, Marilyn, help board member, I think we have to be careful in um, what we can expect the public to provide. I mean, most people um, either don't have the interest or time or inclination to look at a budget and figure out how would we tweak this or how would we tweak that. That's a lot to ask. People just know they want this or, they, or they're willing to make trade-offs. So I, I'm kind of concurring with John. I think um, formulating the questions is going to be um, absolutely key so that we're getting useful input without <laughs> expecting a level of, of, you know, budget discourse that internal staff like, would be comfortable with. So, you know, yeah, I mean, framing what it is we, we want to know. Otherwise, sometimes people tend not to come to these sorts of meetings. They just wait until there's a conclusion and it comes out in the newspaper and then they're horrified. You know, so, um, I need to probably spend some more time thinking about this, but um, how do we get the input that we want on the front end? Um, I think that's a tough question. From what I if you take a look at Manhattan and they do their special meeting, special meeting gets a lot of attention. Special meeting in the PowerPoint gets a lot of promotion of why are we where we are today. So that gets the public engagement and gets the word out. You could say that the last year's budget discussion had that effect, 
because it did go out in the media, but how effective was that? And if nothing was cut in Parks and Rec and Texas didn't go up and every program was saved, you know, I'm worried about the next one when, when I really see it hitting me in the face. Right. So there's two user groups that were probably going to be variable. The golfers, possibly aquatics. And so those are great examples of the budget that I think we would discuss and then propose and what are the feedbacks. Maybe it is we can do 90% 90, 90 of this, but we want to keep admission work, for example, on this. Well, then how can we cut whatever it is to make that balance so it's not as painful up front? You know, that's an example or um, I think those two are the communities will be the most vocal. So it's not every community that go, you know, I like the brand, Oakham Port, or Square Dancing. Yeah. They're, they're not going to be the ones that, that come in. Those are identified populations which are already paying entry fees. So they're, they're the more obvious ones, but I think you'd have a whole other group of people who use open gym who may not identify with each other and they're not paying any fees now, but if fees were implemented, they could become a local interest group. And how do they how are they how do they know that they should be represented? And like let's take the walkers at Sports Pavilion. It's hundreds of people. Um, who could be impacted? Uh, kids who, the people that play pickup basketball, pickleball, you know, a lot of people who are using free services right now, how do we get them involved to get their input? So the question would be if there's no change in free, do they need to be involved? No, but I, it sounds to okay. me from your introduction like you're not taking. Well, maybe I misunderstood you, but are you taking off the table entry fees? A membership type of style. That was the last resort. So unless the public comes out at a special meeting and says, let's do memberships. Well, you say it's a last resort, but then you, and then you went on to say that it's either cut services or add fees. Or blend of. And that's where... So that's increase that's existing fees or start new fees. Increase, or you can start and find new revenue sources. That is an option. And the other groups have said, well, why aren't you doing this? This is a revenue option. Can you lower service levels? Can you be more efficient? You know, we're getting charged for water this year. Why would we pay, for example, lump sum for water? Why not be metered and get rewarded for conservation? So that's an easy cut. Maybe a water less. Nobody really feels the service level change. Now, service level change could be is there only one pool open year round? Now that's a huge service cut. That would be an option. Um, but at this point in the game, I think there's only so many limited options of what we can do. And I don't see memberships as something that we can say, hey, January one or we're gonna have memberships. I just don't see we can build a program that would make that happen. Now the community says that's what we want and we don't want to raise any fees. We can build it, but Getting the equity, the equity in there, for example, I think it's Lenexa. Say a family's $45 a month, how they get the equity in there is based on income levels, you might be 50% of that a month or 75% of that month. You do. So nine bucks a month for a family, if you make 
less than twenty thousand dollars or something. Um, so maybe that's a yes or no question for the board. At this point, do you want us to have the memberships? Is that something we need to be working on now or not? Here's what I think. I think it's, it's starting to charge people entry fees to use our the indoor facilities is on the table. We need to be transparent with the community and the advisory board about that. If it's off the table, it's just right now it feels a little loosey goosey. I think it was a couple of meetings ago. I think I mentioned in Maryland that would be the last resort. That is not something we're exploring as memberships or trying to build a program. Okay. And from the last time that we did look at that, it's four years ago, we talked about that would be a very long road to get right. Now we do have coupons in place, which is nice. But at the same time, you know, what's the cost of managing something like that? We went down that road. This is, Pat, um, this is Pat Phillips, board member. So if membership is off the table for right now, there I'm, I'm getting a sense that you have an idea in your meetings, probably that of, well, the value of certain things, if if we increase it, it or um, it'll work out. Are those things that you will present to them? If we do this, then that will help with our budget, or if we let go of these things, that will help with our budget. And what do you feel is more important? Is that what you're going to pre present is the things that you've come up with to the community? I think the first presentation at the 30,000 foot level is where are we with fees? Have we not raised fees, say, for the golf course since 2017 or before? or with some programs, not since 18 or 19, we did raise them during the pandemic, where we with inflation. Why are we where we are? Um, charges that are new to the department that weren't there a few years ago. Uh, so that's the why. Then show examples of the budget and our cost recovery pyramid, of what the policy is and what we should be recovering. And look at a couple example budgets. And then from there, my thought was we actually do some breakouts with the community members, the bigger groups that are, are affected. My assumption is in the past it's been aquatics and the golf, the ones I usually hear from the most. So this is Pat Phillips again. And when you talk about breakout, you're you're talking about those specific groups that might be identified that will meet at, as a focus group specifically. Correct. Kind of like what we did with Prairie Park. Right. No judgment. Let's hear the public's input. Um, after hearing our presentation, knowing that here's the number we can get. I can get to the number by doing solely fee increases or cuts that be draconian, or what is the input that they would like to see on some of that? And what are their thoughts? Maybe there's something we're missing on efficiencies for revenue. So these all these different programs, aquatics and 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 the golf course and maybe some others. Um, when you've looked at the numbers, maybe cutting things or increasing those fees. If those changes were made, would that be sufficient to to meet the budget requirements? And there, we wouldn't have to even talk about membership. Is that what I'm understanding? director of Parks Recreation. That's where we stand today. Supply and demand is a unique critter. 
as prices go up, people may say, I'm not going to go golf as much if it gets too high, or they're going to go, I'm going to go to another community. So if you look at our rounds of golf, there probably is a number where people just go, I can only afford to golf so many times in a month or what have you. Looking at the numbers in the golf course is a tough one. It's even going up 30%. I don't think we'd meet our cost recovery with the budget we were um, presented with. So that's how do we get that to a different level. But the goal was to try to explore other means before that. Cuts, fees, sponsorships, additional revenue sources, uh, new revenue sources. Okay. Uh, Jackie Becker. So with you saying the increased fees and the 30% won't even help, and I'd like to obviously not see us lessen our service levels, that then moves into sponsorship. So obviously we haven't talked a lot about sponsorship because we have not necessarily had a staff to assist with that. Um, it seems pretty apparent that we probably need to start talking about sponsorship, but that also will require a lot of community engagement to understand where our community is at with sponsorship. So where would you say Parks and Rec is at at the moment in terms of how we can start not just doing the low-hanging fruit, but getting to the next level of sponsorship before we get to the membership side of this? You know, some of the things that popped on our radar with the Use sports complex artificial turf for next year. There's opportunity right there for some decent sponsorships at a higher level. It's talking with the Prairie Park Nature Center. Um, they've talked a lot about sponsorships. They do have some sponsorships, but they've got a long ways to go to make that a sustainable. And not to say they can't do it, because I think they can, but they've got to take the time to go out and start doing that. I think we can help them. I think I'm a little early on that because we still haven't gotten back with the Prairie Park Nature Center group since our public engagement and reviewing the data that we've got there. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. I'm wondering in terms of these identified groups like the golfers, if it would be helpful if staff would come up with some scenarios. Uh, because if you just say, well, we have a problem, we've got, we're going to have to raise fees or cut services, it's very vague. But if you say, okay, scenario one, golf fees go up by 35%, service levels stay the same. Scenario two, fees go up by 20%, we cut one day of golf. You know, like if you present, like these are some concrete options that I think the public has, uh, is more likely to give you useful feedback. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too. I met with a group of golfers this weekend, actually, that provided more feedback, which also brought me to the conclusion we need to do more collaboration. And some of it may be simple efficiencies, some of it may be. Yeah, they get the fees need to go up, but they'd also like to see some of their service levels improved because the service in some areas they're going, this sucks. And we can do a better job. So I think that's some of those opportunities, but I think we need to bring it in. But I do like the scenarios on here's what we've been presented. What we can serve on or what could that do for us? 
Okay, so what if we find a new revenue source and we can do X or uh, a sponsorship needs to be readdressed at the golf course and could that be taken to the next level? So yeah, I, I'd like that too. And I mean, if it's couched in terms of choices that individuals make, I think it's going to be the most useful because if there, if you just talk about some golfer in theory, that's not so helpful. But if you ask people, okay, what's the most palatable palatable to you? And maybe you give them three or four scenarios. Yeah. And you collect some data. I think you're going to find that to be more useful than <clears throat> like a little feedback session. And then we'll actually probably save a meeting. That's what I'm thinking too. Is if you don't do something like that, you're still collecting data. You're going to have to go back to the and do another engagement after hearing what you said. Here are the scenarios where um, developments in those scenarios from. This is Amber Nickel, board member. Um, I would just think, I know this would be a lot of work on the front end, but I agree that I, I wouldn't have your meeting be the informative piece. I would try to make that as like a accessible video and do it in almost like chapters of like, this is how we got here. This is what's been going on. And then break it down into those segments that are like you're talking about the golf and the aquatics and all those little pieces so that people can access that and make like a QR code so people can just put their phone on it and go and then pick what they want to learn about and then have an engagement piece maybe through that or have your meeting. But I agree that if you try to do this all in one setting, people are that's a lot to serve up and make people understand. And it doesn't give people a lot of time to process you know, really what those scenarios could be or how it would really affect them. So I think you got to give people a lot of info on the front end and and make it so that they can do it on their phone, you know. And I think okay. it would be great if you really like to really get some feedback, um, either having volunteers or something at those, at Pickleball when it's got 25 people out there and ask for, you know, key questions and just start taking a tally of, you know, this or that and have that behind desks at the rec centers and things and just get people curious and sparking, you know, what what's, what's everybody saying this or that about? Or yes, we want to consider sponsorships or membership or things like that. You know, just... Peak interest. Okay. Uh, Jackie, so, Dr. I really like that idea, Amber. Uh, I'm curious, can we potentially throw in, if we still have it from years ago, the quiz that we had started or the questionnaire we had started regarding sponsorship? You know, a simple QR code in places could also, you know, tie all these questions and thoughts in to get more data. So potentially looking for that again. Yes, my concern, Marilyn Hill, my concern about that is um, until we know that the city is committed to putting some resources into getting sponsorships 
we're just dangling out a possibility that may not realistically come to pass. And of course, everybody's going to say more sponsorship because nobody wants to raise fees and nobody wants to cut service hours. So if you give them an option of sponsor, everything glom onto it. Yeah, yeah, you need more sponsorships. But we've had this conversation ever since I joined this board, and we haven't come off the dime uh, once on actually implementing anything. So I'm sorry, Jackie, if I sound like a Debbie Downer, but I'm I'm skeptical about raising the, the public's expectations that we've got some plum new and a new revenue source that's going to make everything right. Yeah, Jackie Becker, I don't think there's a need to apologize at all. I kind of feel the same way you do that I've been on this board for years and we just haven't moved forward. So I was just trying to push the needle there. But I do agree we probably should have a deeper plan with our actual Parks and Rec staff and city staff to acknowledge and identify that sponsorship is something maybe we should look into. So it's not just Parks and Rec, it's a citywide thing. So looking at a yes or no question, do, does the advisory board want to be on and in on the development of the plan going towards a special Parks and Rec advisory board meeting? Or would they rather have the staff develop the scenarios to build it? I think you could have a subcommittee of the board that could help and sort of react to a draft or something like that. I don't see us being involved in like sitting there with a blank sheet with you guys trying to formulate questions because you know what we need. You know. So present more in a, a format for reaction to feedback. Yeah, a draft. Draft, okay. Jackie, I have a question. Does the board totally understand where we're at and i think from the standpoint of education um that's what i, I mean i envision a committee of people that kind of become more knowledgeable of where the department is as well um, more informed people on that can help really look at the situation better too that's the thing i was thinking of because that number that revenue number came to us in August, September, after they had finally decided and confirmed up the budget, because that was our goal then for the year that we have to meet. So then we have that amount of time to kind of put together the plan for the next year. And I don't think everybody totally understands that process. To me, this work could have been done in February, but we would have needed to know that number, or at least some ballpark number that we got in August or September. So it, it, it Kind of like the what is it the card leading the horse or the horse yeah you know it's not set up properly the way that it it was presented so to me there's some education that I feel can help the whole process too through this and having more people in the community understanding that might be beneficial that's just my two cents.
Thanks, Roger. Uh, so when you when you say educate, <clears throat> want that as part of the committee. So we start a, another Parks and Rec Advisory Board committee for this that works with the education side of it too. Then, or or where where are you seeing it going? I was going to say I agree. I agree with uh, Marilyn's thoughts on staff would develop the presentation, the plan, and run that by the advisory board for uh, reaction feedback. So that would be our next step. Are we talking about fees that are going to be implemented January 1? I'd rather get it right than on time. So at this point, if it takes longer, it takes longer than do it right. Amber Nickel, board member. So Am I am I hearing this right? So it sounds like maybe step one is do we have a special advisory board meeting that is all just based on education around this and potentially a, a draft of the presentation that then would be for the community at large? And then do another special meeting that's community-based. Thank you. My thought was we developed the plan get the reaction and feedback from the advisory board, set up a special advisory board meeting with the public, present, we offer choices, scenario A, B, C, here's the fees you're looking at to the community. It could be great, we could go this round for, now go back and do your homework, but to Maryland's point, Nobody likes fees, nobody likes service cuts. They're not gonna like anything we're really presenting. Um, when I talk to the golfers, you're raising my fees, but what's happening to my service? I'm not getting any more service. Um, we can improve service, doesn't mean you're getting more service. I don't know if that answered your question, Amber, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I understand the process and and what we're wanting to do, and I'll and I'll just say that I mean, I love to be informed and I love to learn, and so I would be happy to, you know, be on a committee that dives deeper into the understanding of how this is all going to work and what's going to go on. So, uh, I appreciate the effort to do it right and take the time and and get community input. So I'm just curious. It's it seems like it's something that can't be done. Like we can't just keep doing this at our scheduled advisory board meetings. We're going to have to have additional meetings so that we can move this forward more quickly. Pat, were you going to say something? Val Renault, uh, advisory board member. I guess I'm just a little I wonder if people will think they're voting on, you know, like, if, let's say we have two or three scenarios and the people who are there like a certain one, I mean, is that it? Is that, is that their vote counts or, or, I mean, I think you used the word debate a little earlier, Derek, and it's like, I don't know exactly how, yeah, we're presenting it to the public and, and how we're going to use their feedback, I guess. And who's who's finally making the decisions? 
Well, another way to go at it instead of scenarios is for the staff to just have a draft be proposed. It's sort of like when the city manager's budget comes out, comes out, it's here's a draft of the whole picture, and then people see all the details, and then they can start um, analyzing, making trade-offs and stuff. If staff just said, okay, here's our preliminary proposal of what we're going to do, and then have the public react to that, would that be better? This is uh, John Nalbandian, board member. Uh, Derek, I think what's really important to me is knowing how we can be of assistance to you um, and the staff. I mean, you have to, we need to realize that you're working with the finance office, you're working with the city manager, you've got these other, you know, you've got a different framework perhaps than we do. And I, Personally, um, I think we want to be of much assistance to you as we can be. Um, and so I think it's very important for you to help us understand how we can most help you. Yeah, I value the advisory board's <laughs> opinions and, and uh, input. And I think as being part of the development, that would be great if we could have some members that are willing to help us out um, while we develop that and provide feedback as we develop it. Amber Nickel, board member. I I, I agree with that statement and um, John's statement. And also, uh, Marilyn, I think, I mean, when I really think about it, I'm like, I, of course, assume that the team and staff has a the best idea because they have the most information of how if you had to do hard decisions i would rely on your ability to know who is affected and who wants what the most more than anybody else in the room so i think that that does make sense that you would present like if we got to wave our magic wand and do it this way this is what we recommend now why does that not work or do we all think it's great? Yeah, Jackie Becker, Chair. I think, uh, Amber, the way that you expressed that uh, makes sense to me that we would maybe then, as a board, we're looking at doing the staff to bring us, do the draft first, uh, the draft proposal. So then we can, you know, have the information, start getting it out there, and and then seeing the response to it and then hopefully another chance for community and then another chance to see if what the community says or comes back at affects the draft that you as staff gave to us and to the community so as i'm going through this correct me you're seeing something i'm not we will develop a draft reaction feedback for the board. Then we will work on a communication plan to the public. Is that correct? Am I missing something there? And then we will have another, we will have a special 
Parks and Rec advisory board meeting for discussion. Is that, am I tracking or did I miss a step or? That you, that's exactly how I see it anyways, how you just said that. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. So we have some staff that have been working on a PowerPoint. What would be a deadline do you think we could get that completed a week or two to the public? And then when can we have a special meeting? Is there any? Are we looking at the first week of December? Are we looking before that, after that? By first week of December time, we yeah. Might be a couple weeks. That would also give us time if we hit the first week of December. We'll have a advisory board meeting the second week if we needed to. So maybe that works actually pretty decent. Mark your thoughts. Am I missing? Well, I'm wondering. So you're bringing the PowerPoint to the advisory board first, right? So they need to preview it, comment on it. So yeah, I think before the December meeting, we'd want to do that. Right. Within the meeting, we can comment for the special advisory board. Yeah, then then we make adjustments because yeah, we take it public. Okay, you just collapsed a couple steps. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think if you see it beforehand, you get a chance a week to digest it, come to the meeting in December, and go, okay, here's what I saw, or here's what I. Think. But that's a pu public meeting. Sure, that'd be just like this meeting. But if it's a special meeting, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about the special meeting versus just the normal meeting, but. I mean, to me, we need to throw a plan to you and let you comment on it first before we go further. And it's a special meeting because our standard meeting is once a month. So we have to call it a special meeting of advisory board. If we do an additional, an additional meeting. meeting, yes, that's the only reason why we call it special. Yes, got it. And it's sole purpose to focus on this one item. And I would suggest you put that off till January because you get too close to Christmas in the public. Is way too distracted. So that changes our timeline dramatically. So we're going to draft that to advisory board for December meeting to have a meeting in December for the public engagement and then a second meeting. No, the way that I think Mark said was we have the meeting prior to the advisory board meeting, like the week before. We have the meeting where they basically say, yay, day, this is had time to massage it. Then we go back, fix it the way that we need to. And that to me is where the subcommittee comes into play because then they can be the voice of the committee of the whole entire board. And then we have the special meeting in January is what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. You were thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. So we take December to kind of Right, us advisory board on kind of saying when we make the sausage, yes. <laughs> so would that be at our regular meeting in December and not a special meeting? We, we'd have to have a meeting prior to it to kind of preview it. Then at the December meeting, we could actually have the, you know, you can do it one of two ways. We could do it at the December meeting, just make it be the focal point of the meeting 
and not have a lot of other frills to it. Do the presentation and the discussion of the board to do it the meeting in January, okay. potentially too, if you want to do it that way. Okay. Sorry, Jackie, I'm talking this way and not to the folks up there. That cut down on meetings. Mm -hmm. It would next to advisory board meetings are the stuff. So the January advisory board meeting would be a special meeting on fees. Well, we could have a separate, I mean, we could make it be the actual meeting time, or we could put it at another time and date and time. So to allow for people to attend. If you can make it like the existing time, that simplifies things for right. A lot of us that have a busy schedule. And then it kicks back and it becomes a February meeting on fees. So now. No, no, no. it doesn't kick back. No, no. December would be the the meeting where we hash, you know, we have the presentation of the present of the presentation and then the discussion. Then we go back, fix whatever we need to. Okay. And if we have a subcommittee, that's where I'm saying we can get the input of theirs, the, the okay. four people and say, yeah, this is where we need to go, or no, we need to change okay. this to have it ready for January to present at the next board meeting to the public, and we we make more notice of what the meeting's about. Okay. So what I want to ask of one of the staff is to draft this schedule, make sure that I'm on track, tracking correctly. So with the meetings and the dates and expectations, so... I, I would I would move it back to the board to you know clarify that. Let's make an motion so we can kind of get it put together a little bit better in framing. Do we need a motion or is it just procedural? I, we can do either. I think I mean it's yeah we can do it procedural. But does that I guess exactly what I would say is call the question. To does that process that I described work for everyone? <laughs> and then second, do we want to have a subcommittee of folks that are there to assist um, in, in the development past the first presentation, I guess? And you can decide that in the December meeting too, if there's a lot of discussion. Okay, so then to make sure I'm reiterating what Derek said without making a motion, just expressing, is that staff is going to make their presentation. They're going to get it to the Parks and Rec Advisory Board prior to our meeting in December. In December, we have, we focus a large amount of time of our meeting for this in regards to fees, membership, and lowering services. Then we decide if we have a special committee and then we have hopefully for January, have it all set and ready to roll it to the public for public comment. Is that how you see it? Or did I mix it up? I think that's that's the way I, I understand it a little better there, the way you just present. Well, I was getting confused. I was getting tracking down one thing. Uh, Luckily, I write everything down. I like to take notes. So does that make sense to everybody on the advisory board? Is that how you see it flowing? Yes. Any yes. added? Okay. Then I don't, do we need a motion to do this or can we just say go, Perks and Rec? Do, you, do your job. It's say go. 
Go. Okay, let's let's do that. And I guess all I can say, or if we can make sure, Roger, for those who are not here this week on the advisory board, that we give them plenty of understanding or get the info to them so they are aware that we really could use them at this December meeting and that it's going to be really important. We'll follow up. Thank you on that. All right. So any other comments, thoughts, suggestions regarding the discussions? All right. Seeing none, let's move into E. The concerns, board members of interest. Jackie Becker here. Uh, I do want to say I saw over on 15th Street that I believe the splash pad is getting ADA accessible uh, or looking really close to that. So that was really exciting to see this past week or so. So thank you for that. Any other concerns or items of interest from the board directly? All right, uh, that'll move us on to F, other, and we can start with our reports. Recreation. Wait, Jackie. Oh, sorry. All right, perfect. Step out of the room for a minute. Oh, got it. Okay. I was like, we can't have a meeting without any <laughs> concerns or board member interest. Come on. Sorry about that. No um, problem, Marilyn. So We're here the, for you. The Layarda um, project has resurfaced. The last time we talked, um, we had met with the community group and talked to them about the possibility of doing some sort of uh, historic installation or memorial piece. And at that time, um, they weren't ready to do that. They were still trying to pursue getting the land of the original Liarda site. Things then went dormant for maybe six or eight months. I don't know. I've lost track of time. Um, and now Chris Tilden, the community member who's very involved in the development of the Lawrence Loop, um, has met with the yard of folks. And they there's a group that's now interested in some sort of a historic marker installation. Um, and they've been in contact with Mark. And they seem to have two things that they need from Lawrence Parks and Rec uh, pertaining to this. One, assuming that, that they can do this, what would be a possible location and what, what could the footprint of the installation be? Um, and they have partnered with the Lawrence Arts Center that's going to be involved in the um, development and creation of whatever this installation is, but until they get some parameters from Parks and Rec on um, where this could be installed and what the footprint of it could be, it's kind of hard for them to do any design work. So, um, Mark, where are we on that? So basically, what we talked about in the past was trying to do something along the Lawrence Loop between 8th Street and 7th Street. That's the link that's going to be built next year. 
So in that, we need to still acquire property to build that section of the loop. So I think the biggest potential, in my opinion, is to put it right on 8th Street there at the intersection of where the Lawrence Loop will, will basically connect with 8th Street. But we'll have to acquire enough property to do something besides just the loop corridor. So I don't think we're too early or too late. I think we need to talk about this as we talk about construction of that loop section, if that's what we wanted. So we probably need to have a meeting just to say, okay, here's what we see as feasible. We don't own the yard of property, so we can't really put a historic marker on that property. So, you know, we can put it near the property where people will see it when they go by on, the, on their bicycle or whatever. So that's where we're at. I don't think we're too late at all. I think, you know, if we're talking historical marker, I think that's something that's fairly doable, uh, along with space to do it. And my impression is that they might want more than just a two-dimensional sign. Yeah. They may be thinking of um, panels or even some sort of, I don't know, replica or partial replica. Um, so I guess they're looking, they're on hold yeah. for information from the department. Do, do we, can we give them a timeline of when they might have that information. Are you ready to start meeting with them now? Or I think we can have a pre-meeting. Just that what I don't want to do is get ahead of the property acquisition on the trail, okay. because that we need to basically negotiate that with the property owner. So I don't want something to get out in front that we're hey we're going to do this and we don't own the property yet. So um, that's my only concern. But sitting down meeting with them and say here what are you thinking about? That's certainly doable. We can do that now. Okay. Okay. Great. Sure. I, you know, I'm just going to tell Chris that we discussed this and you're ready to have a conversation with them. Sure. Great. Thank you. Thanks for that, Marilyn. Happy to see that it's kind of coming back around and that it fits still in a timeline with uh, the loop. So. Would love to have some Liarda history in our community, very visible and public for everyone to learn. Uh, any other last thoughts, concerns of the board? All right. If not, we will move on to the recreation side with Lindsay Hart. Uh, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Um, I don't have too much more than what's in the report uh, that you all have, but I did want to mention that we did hire a recreation facility operations programmer for East Lawrence Center, and her name is Madison Norris, and today was her first day, so we are very happy to have her on board and have that position filled. And that was all I had. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, moving on to the park side with Mark Hecker. Sorry, I didn't provide a written report, but I'll give you a quick one. Um, so fall basically is always for tree planting and bulb planting, so we're right in the middle of that. Uh, speaking of bulbs, the holiday lights are almost complete. So we do the light turn on on the 25th, so that's the day after Thanksgiving. Um, I think we're, we're probably 95% done with installation. So we're gonna still be doing that um, thing out of YSC too with the with the uh, service clubs. So that'll be kind of fun. And then there's a few new places where staff would thought, hey, we really need some lights there. So 
it's been kind of bundled and the staff just run with a little bit. As long as we have enough lights, we just keep putting them up. So um, as Jackie mentioned, the parking lot over at the splash pad is now accessible and we took that out, replaced it with a new sidewalk in, uh, brought that pump down. So that's good news. At YSC, we've completed the ADA improvements for sidewalks and parking lot. So that was a big uh, CIP project that's now done. Um, Director Park, we've completed that new trail section that goes kind of the northeast corner. So that'll give us access to a different neighborhood over there. So they'll have access into the Victor Park. That's a new trail. And some of you were at the dedication for the Peterson the Michigan Trail on Lawrence Loop. That was an exciting ad and it's open and people are loving that. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, court refinishing. Um, we did the basketball court at Lions. We did the uh, pickleball tennis court at Dad Perry, basketball court at Dad Perry, pickleball tennis at Veterans, and then sports pavilion. We actually got those courts resurfaced for no charge. KU Athletics wanted them looking better for the Big 12 uh, tennis tournament that's coming up in April. So they said they would pay for it. So we said, sure, go ahead. So that's about a $42,000 court refinish that we didn't have to pay for. So the bad news on it, we had to take the pickleball lines off temporarily. We'll bring those back in April. So by the time we get to spring, we'll have pickleball back out there. But the courts look great if you haven't been by for no charge to us. That was kind of nice. And Prairie Park Nature Center, we're working on the entrance to the building. There's some sidewalk and curb deterioration. That work should be starting right now. Then over at South Park, we're working on the uh, gazebo, the historic structure. We went through and done some rehab, and we're trying to repaint the whole structure to get it ready for winter. We didn't quite get done, so hopefully we'll have enough weather to get that completed here in the next day or two. But lots of projects we're trying to finish up before winter, and then we're starting on next year's CIP projects. So the biggest one is the uh, turf fields out of YSC. So we have two, two or three turf fields coming in. So we're starting pre-work on that, and lighting upgrades for the baseball softball diamonds is another one that we're starting to work on ahead of getting actual funding for next year. This is Pat Phillips, board member. Mark, I noticed a splash of co a color over at the ball fields at Holcomb. The shade that you that's provided there, it's really nice. It's a good look. I forgot that one. Yeah, the shade structures at Holcomb on the baseball fields. So this is something we've been working on for over a year. So what we've been trying to do is, is upgrade the, both the bleachers and the shade structures. So before we kind of had a, a quasi fence slash shade structure hanging over the bleachers, but now we have some very uh, bright colors and I think people are really gonna appreciate the upgrade there. But that's a project we've been working on for gosh, over a year, so. Yeah, it looks good. Any other questions? No, just to, yeah, I so on the turf fields at YSI. So that group that was that was gonna turf everything for us, that, that just kind of fell apart. Is that right? Yeah, Mark Ecker, yes, it did kind of fell apart, but the groups are still there and they're still interested in running the fields. So before it was kind of a group led uh, project, this one's more of a city led project that we're going to primarily do what they said, but we're going to kind of do it the way we want to do it. And then we'll rent the fields to all the user groups. So 
same basic effect, just a little bit of a different take on it. Because they were going to do, sounded like the whole place, or, and, and so you're talking about doing a, a few fields at a time, is that right? Yeah, what we've been approved for is three or four fields. So what we're going to do first is the northwest corner, which is a little bit opposite of what we were talking about before. So what we're trying to do is separate usage. If we can push northwest with soccer, football, that allows us to do more of the baseball, softball during the same season. And then if we have money, we'll go over to the, the lit fields 14 and 15, which are the two big fields, which are adjacent to baseball. So we're hoping to solve a couple problems with this and separating the use of the complex because the way we are now in soccer is going, we can't run baseball, softball. So we're hoping we can do both. It's just by spreading them out a little bit. Okay, thanks. Any other comments or, th or thoughts for Mark? All right. Moving on to communications then with Roger Steinbrock. Right. And I submitted a, a report uh, for folks to look at. A couple other things. Marilyn triggered my mind as well. Um, I'm on a Heritage uh, Commission liaison for Parks and Recreation, and they're looking at putting a uh, panel kiosk uh, for the, the rotary. Uh, digester, if you know where that's at, over there by the parking garage, they're going to have some historical marker uh, put there. If you've ever driven by it, you'll probably go, wow, it's there. I've never seen it before. Um, the rotary digester. Is this an object? Yes. It's okay. a big metal going into your thing. Okay. So you're gonna have a little historical marker there, um, which the Watkins is helping um, put that together as well. Um, we are, I, one thing I didn't put on the uh, update was we're gonna be reaching out to the Water Tower Park folks, going back to them for discussion, uh, probably in the month of November, December coming up. Yet I got, I, we've got isolated the group and now I've gotta get it together and get a meeting put together for that. Uh, we'll welcome the board as well to that as well. Um, but uh, we'll be just talking about uh, the plans for development, not next year, but in 24, correct, Mark? Sorry. Water Tower Park, yes. 24? Yep, So we're, we're just starting the process. So we're, we're really ahead of the curve here on this one. So that's that's good. That's all I have. Excellent. Thanks, Roger. Uh, any comments for Roger? All right. Let's move on to the director's report then with Derek Rogers. Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. Uh, tomorrow night's the commission meeting. We have uh, fruition of what we've been working on for a long time is the funding of the comprehensive plan. Uh, that is on the consent, so that will get us moving and the contractor kind of check for that process. So that's fantastic news and that's going to keep us very busy when we start doing that. All of us uh, still on track. Uh, December, January are going to be big push months to work on accreditation. Uh, plans still on the other accreditation in the fall of 24. Um, and ask for an update on C-Click Fix. 
and I've talked to uh, Porter O'Neill, and I've talked to uh, an MSO group. They are on, I think they're a little behind where they expect to be. Uh, they were hoping to be complete in the spring of 2023. It's probably going to be either late spring or early, going into early summer before they have that figured out. I think they're also looking at other software solutions as part of our enterprise software uh, package that we're doing. Uh, there is the potential to use part of one of our uh, pre-purchased softwares. Uh, I don't think they decided on what they're going to use um, as a replacement or asset management or sequel fix. Just Lawrence uh, listens. Uh, in, in the meantime, they still have all our addresses if you want to call in on a pothole or code enforcement. Or, uh, those re remain as normal. Uh, Woody Park, um, one of the 10 grandsons of uh, Elgin Woody passed away. Um, like his grandfather, he did a lot for uh, youth sports, boys and girls club, and uh, Topeka, um, uh, Commissioner Sellers mentioned uh, the passing of Elgin um, Woody III at the last city commission meeting. And coincidentally, we've been working with uh, Bill Woody staff. Um, I think we did, we as a department did a great job of taking Woody Park back to what it should look like as a park. It looks really nice if you go over there. Already rain and snow, but we forgot to put the sign back up, Woody Park sign. And in doing that right, we've been working on a historical Woody Park sign. We talk about the history of that and, and uh, the contributions of Elgin Woody. It goes back to this. Elgin Woody was actually born, I think it was December 9th of 1888. And if the stars align, and talking to uh, Bill Woody, uh, the grandson that lives here in town, um, possible dedication of that sign, we can get it complete in time on around December 9th, birthday uh, of Elgin Woody. With that, open for questions or comments or anything I may have missed or from the board. Right. I don't see any questions or comments. Anyone? Thanks for that, Derek. Uh, so with that, it appears that we are down to the announcing that next month's meeting will be Monday, December 12th at 530. I'm assuming it will be a hybrid again and looking for a motion to adjourn. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. <clears throat> I move we adjourn. Well, no, I second. All right. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor of concluding the November meeting, raise your hand, say aye. Meeting adjourned. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everyone. Good night.